Hey everybody, welcome back to Lunch with PB&J. Hi, Joey. Joy. What? I was going to say Jay, <laughs> and halfway through I changed my mind what I was going to say. Well, Jay's better than Joey. Joey. <laughs> Joey, as they say in the South, no, Joey. That is not my name. Um, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm hot. <laughs> uh, we turned the fan off. We're at home today. We're getting ready to leave on vacation. vacation. By the time you watch or listen to this, we are not here. <laughs> we are gone. We are on vacation, but we wanted to make sure that we got this episode out and in the box and online and ready to go for you guys. So here we are today, and uh, yeah, we turned the fan off in the house so it wouldn't make too much noise, and it's hot. I've already... Uh, I got up, I cut the grass, I've been running around all day, went He's for a jog. Busy. You did? I went running. That's why I was so sweaty when you got up. Oh, I thought you were just hot. No, I was really sweaty. <laughs> you thought I was just hot? Wow. I was like drenched in sweat. I don't ask questions. Good to know I sweat that much, but you just thought that was my natural reaction to the weather. Uh, so anyway, I'm one of those guys that, you know, if I don't let my core body turn cool down, my showers don't really take. And so I showered, but I'm still a little glistening. <laughs> so we didn't put any extra lights on either, just because it would have been shiny. That's all right. We'll get through it. There's all the inside scoop, guys. Now we're going to get back into the book of Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to pick up where we left off, and uh, which is actually in chapter 1, verse 17. Right. Because as I said last week, uh, most scholars, most theologians put 17 as the first verse of Jonah chapter 2. So that's what I'm going to do because I like to consider myself a scholar, <laughs> even though I'm nowhere close to it. Um, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to pick up right there. Now, I don't know. We've talked a little bit about chapter two together, mm -hmm. but uh, I don't know. We might go in two completely different directions on this. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. But we'll see. That's the beauty of how God uh, illuminates his word is we can all, he just reveals truth in different ways to different people. Yeah, so. that's what you get out of it. Mm-hmm. eyes with the lights right over the top of my head. Um, so, one, do you want me to touch on the question you asked last yes, week? Yes, so, like, last week, I was... I did write that down. ...going to ask I remembered. Him. Okay, explain. So, 17 says, Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to follow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's probably way more significance to that than, than I realize, because Jesus talks about it in Matthew. And he and so he brings that up um, that just like Jonah is in the belly of the well for three days and three nights, I am going to be. How's he word it? Ah, uh, you know what? I wrote down a reference, but I didn't or? actually. Uh, so he makes a reference. Yeah. Look, look we're real prepared. Sorry, I, it's like <laughs> I, I did look at it, and uh, let me just pull it up here. But because Jesus makes this reference. Um, I felt like, okay, maybe there's more significance than I realize about this verse. So the reference, in it's in Matthew chapter 12, uh, verse 39 and 40. It says, Jesus replied, only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man, uh, so the Son of Man, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it goes on, talks a little bit more. The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater as Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. So I did look at it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and it, yeah, it's, it's, it's the obvious comparison is that, uh, so Jonah was sent by God to tell Nineveh uh, the wicked, wicked city of Nineveh right. to repent. Yeah. Jonah says, absolutely not. I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And so he runs away. And in order to really, in order to get a hold of Jonah um, and, and get this message to go forward, he takes Jonah, he puts him in the belly of the whale for three days and yeah. three nights. Jonah comes out of the belly of the whale. And as we'll see in chapter three, he does go to Nineveh mm -hmm. and they do repent. So now the comparison is that Jesus is also coming and he's preaching repentance. Mm -hmm. He's been sent by God to preach repentance. The difference being that he's obedient to God. And Jonah has, or Jonah does not have compassion. Yeah. Jesus does have compassion. He does have compassion. But it was like Jonah had to go into the belly of the whale mm -hmm. so that 
people could receive the message of repentance through him. Mm -hmm. But Jesus will go through the belly of the earth. He'll Mm -hmm. go into the tomb for three days and three nights so that the world can receive repentance through him. One is uh, by force, (laughs) you could say. And one is Jesus willingly goes in. And so it says one one has come that is even greater than Jonah. Mm -hmm. Jesus is obviously greater than Jonah. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that he does it willingly. Mm -hmm. He goes willingly and it's through... It's through his journey, through the tomb, through those three days and three nights, um, that the the world will, will be able to come and to mm-hmm. repent and be reconciled to God through. That and as there. you'll see when, once we get in chapter two, but um, the belly of the whale is kind of like that symbol symbolizing of the grave, death. Right. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's it's those comparisons there of. You know, the people of Nineveh, they had this great sign of Jonah tells a story, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and as a result of that, they the whole city turns to God. Jesus is like, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. I'm going to die, and three days later, I'm going to rise again. It's and when you see and that, resurrection. and when you see that, you're going to repent. Right. And so that's what's going to lead it. So it's going to be the same sign. Because it would have all been familiar. The people that he was talking right. to would have all been familiar with the story of Jonah as an Old Testament prophet. Right, so. right. All right. So that's that. <laughs> Little All backstory right. on that. Verse. All right. So yeah, that's where it ties into. So this is another example. We're all about some examples of tying Old Testament yes. to New Testament. Yes. Just another example of how Jesus teaches from the Old Testament. Yes. In case you can't tell, I rant a little bit about people <laughs> who don't think we need the Old Testament because Jesus taught from the Old Testament. And so if it's good enough for Jesus, <laughs> Holla. it's good enough for us. All right. All right, right. Jonah chapter 2. Well, yes, and I'm going to go back to verse 17 for a second. Okay. Um, And I want to look at uh, a word here that is used. It says, Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Mm -hmm. Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish. I'm going to underline the word that I'm going to talk about. (laughs) Uh, And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And I want to talk about that word arranged. If you read it in another translation, it will say God appointed Mm -hmm. uh, a great fish. And it's just as a cool word. It shows, again, the sovereignty of God, mm-hmm. um, not just in sending, uh, you know, we talked a little bit earlier where God hurled a storm or sent a storm at Jonah's ship. And now God uh, arranges, so he arranged for a storm mm-hmm. to intercept yeah. Jonah. Now God arranges for this fish to intercept Jonah in the water. Mm-hmm. And it's just this cool picture of what it looks like, I feel like, when... Um, when God pursues us, that each of these moments are supernatural opportunities for Jonah to repent and to turn back to the path that God has called him to. And so it's just this idea of, um, you know, when we try to run from God, Mm -hmm. um, God doesn't let us go easily. And he's going to arrange these occurrences uh, in our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and we talked a little bit about it last time of just the storms that come up because, um, you know, so often we just, we point to them as attacks of the enemy. Mm-hmm. And yet sometimes the things that come, God arranges for these things to come because he's trying to get our attention. Right. And so I just think that this word is such an important word in the language of God that God arranged mm-hmm. for something to happen. Mm-hmm. And how often does that happen in our own lives? We don't necessarily see it or right. recognize it. And yet God is always arranging. It's like um, the, the word, that word when it says arranged, it, it speaks to a very specific, an, uh, it's like an assignment for a very specific reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had this, I wrote down, as it's like it's like when you go to a wedding and there's assigned seating. It's mm-hmm. been arranged in a certain yeah. way, you know? <laughs> people will spend time and they're like, okay, well, these people know each other. Right. This person is family. This person is friends. Do not put Uncle Joe <laughs> and Uncle Bob together because they will start a fight. Like, yeah. they will start arguing and disrupt the whole thing. So they got to be at completely yeah. separate tables. And you arrange all of this for a reason. And when you walk in, you just don't go anywhere you want. You sit in the appointed seat that's been yeah. given to you because it's been arranged for a reason. You think about the great thought. <clears throat> you think about the great thought that God puts into our yeah. life. It's not just some spontaneous happen happen as he goes. It's this like great thought put into yeah. it. 
And so it's just that idea. It's, it's, it's amazing how even when we're not repentant, even when we're trying to run from God, God keeps pursuing us. Mm-hmm. And so you just, you look at that, that storm that you're going through, yeah. right? The hard time you're going through that, that's sometimes that is God pursuing you. Mm-hmm. That random person that keeps mm-hmm. messaging you and going, Hey, when are you going to come to church? Hey, when are you going to come to church? Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. You okay? Yeah. Hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? They're sending you scriptures and you're just like, man, I'm this far away from blocking this person. And yet God is arranging yeah. for you to be on this person's mind right. and for them to message you that, that, that Bible verse that keeps popping in your head. Mm-hmm. That just is random. Again, this is scripture. Mm-hmm. Like this is part of the role of the Holy spirit in our lives is to bring everything back to remembrance. So when you're going through a hard time and that random verse pops in your head, that's the Holy spirit. That's mm-hmm. God pursuing you. Yeah. Uh, through the Holy Spirit, that uneasiness you feel. I don't know if you've ever th- felt this way before, but have you ever have you ever gotten uneasy because your Bible has sat in the same place for more than a few days? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Hopefully not, yeah. because it doesn't. Yeah. But like I've I've experienced that before, where it's mm-hmm. like it's like I walk past and I realize that my Bible that I use for devotion. It's like, I have, I have a whack of Bibles, <laughs> um, but I have like a Bible that I use a lot for more of my personal devotion, devotion time. Yeah. And then I have Bibles that I study out of and things like that. And, and I have, like mm-hmm. I've walked by my Bible before and, and it's just like, there's this uneasy feeling mm-hmm. of that, I, that book, that Bible hasn't moved in, yeah. in a couple of days. Yeah. And it's, I believe that that's, Grabs your attention. that's God pursuing us. Yeah. And, um, and so I think those are things that it's the beauty of the gospel that even when we don't, that we don't chase after God, he chases us. Yeah. You know, it's that verse, right? The verse that says God demonstrated his great love that mm-hmm. while we were still sinners, mm-hmm. Christ died for us. Right. We don't pursue that God. We don't run after God. <laughs> God arranged for our salvation. Right. God arranged for our restoration mm-hmm. before we even knew that we needed it. Mm-hmm. That's an arrangement. Mm-hmm. And so this, this word arrange is just a powerful word. And so um, I think this encounter with Jonah is a message to us as believers yeah. as well, that God doesn't just call us into relationship with him, but, um, but to remain in relationship mm-hmm. with him. And I think that's an important thing. A lot of people kind of have that idea that, um, you know, it's a one and done. I said a prayer when I was a kid. Yeah. That's it. That's all. And it's like the person that says, uh, you know, the old joke about the old couple and she's like, you never say I love you. And he's like, I told you I loved you on our wedding day. If anything changes, I'll let you know. Right. And it's kind of the same thing. God doesn't just call us into relationship. He calls us to remain in relationship with him. And so this isn't a, just about Jonah's assignment as a prophet, but it's about Jonah's relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. It's like God is saying, hey, dude, if you don't want to do it, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's just let's talk. All right. But Jonah just keeps running and running and running. So God's like, all right, I'm going to pin you down and I'm going to put a I'm going to arrange for a fish to swallow you so we can have a little one on one time. Yeah. And I just think it's, it shows the, the pursuit and the, uh, the extent mm-hmm. that God is willing to go through to get our attention sometimes. And um, yeah, so. You, you think about like if God, and it doesn't use the same word as a hurled, but we know God sent the sto- storm. God hurled the storm. And then it's like God arranges for this fish to come and swallow him. And it's just like, thank goodness that he arranges for the fish because the storm happens. Yeah. And so sometimes I think we go through storms and we go through those the bad chaotic things and here's Joni's being thrown overboard to his death and it looks hopeless. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just this thing of, we forget sometimes that God has this plan and so then, then the next thing is, okay, he arranges for this fish to swallow him. Yeah. And... I don't know. It's just when you're seeing it in the picture or you're seeing it laid out, the story laid out, um, there's just more to the story. And I think yeah. for our own lives, we get caught in the storm and then we don't understand that deliverance is coming. I mean, it sounds completely scary to be swallowed by a whale, but they, that's Jonah's deliverance. Yeah. That's, that's, otherwise he drowns here, yeah. right? So the fact that this God sends this whale to swallow him and arranges for this to happen is that's the deliverance side of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just I'm thankful for, you know, you have this storm come his way and then you have this deliverance. And even that word arrange, like it's used four times in the book of Jonah. Mm-hmm. As we go, we'll see that, you know, God arranged this and God arranged that. 
And it just is a reminder. I think we know this, but it's it's a reminder that like God, nature, nature submits to God. Mm-hmm. Nature, you know, the winds, the waves, this fish, like nature itself submits to God. And people nowadays, like they want to worship nature as God. Yeah. No, nature <laughs> submits to God, yeah. you know. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I was very drawn to that word too, arranged, and yeah. makes me think about my own life, how, God, you, you haven't left me in just this state of happenstance. I don't mm-hmm. even know if that's a word. It is. But it's that, it's that state of, well, whatever happens, okay, God's going to work that out for, we yeah. know, we know this, God's going to work that out for my good, whatever happens. But I just loved, I love that analogy of the wedding, how... Mm-hmm. God, you know, you you sit with this person, you sit with this person, and the bride and the groom take great care of who they think is going to get along or who they think is going to, um, you know, because it's this thing of, like, great thought is put into these arrangements that God has in our life. My phone's ringing. <laughs> what a distraction. Um, but it's just, yeah, that, that idea of God arranging. And yeah. so just to not forget that, that all these details of, you know, who we meet, the jobs that we take, the jobs that we lose, like um, all these things are arrangements from God yeah. and, um, or can be, you know, to, to recognize he's in control. My mom has this story and I think it's powerful and fits here a little bit, but she was at a store and she is um, shopping and there's this lady sitting on a bench and my mom was done shopping. So she comes out. And so there's this lady sitting on the bench, and she's like really felt impressed by the Holy Spirit. I'm supposed to go talk to this lady. So she sits down on the bench, and she just starts witnessing to her. She ends up inviting her in church. Well, she finds out this lady is um, a Christian but has been out of church for a long time. So this lady ends up, I'm, I'm going to come to your church. Well, like right now, like she's, she's, a, she's a person who comes every week and doesn't miss. Yeah. But like... That's not happenstance. Like, that's God arranging. Okay, today you're going to go to Kohl's and you're going to shop <laughs> and you're going to get a deal. And when you come out, you're going to talk to Kohl's is an American store for all our You're going to talk to this lady. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's just these yeah. things of like, but when we live our lives just recognizing God, you're in control. Now, here, Jonah's on the run and you're, you mentioned the pursuit. Yeah. But then, um, and sometimes a God will get us in the pursuit and he'll arrange things. But then sometimes, too, um, even if we're not on the run, like just recognizing those arrangements that come from God, yeah. I think is a powerful thing because, yeah, we forget. I don't yeah. know. I forget sometimes how much he's in control. He is. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> so verse one or two, depending on how you read it, uh, it says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God from inside the fish. And so again, <laughs> I read this and I thought, I think you said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just what does it take to get you to pray? Right. (laughs) You know, we know that prayer is supposed to be an an, an important part of our lives as Christians. And yet sometimes it's uh, a lot of people talk about, well, there's nothing left to do but to pray. (laughs) And so we can sometimes view uh, prayer as kind of a last resort rather than um, a first instinct, Mm -hmm. you know, as something that's just natural and something we do all the time. And so here you have, this story where God calls Jonah to preach. Jonah doesn't pray about it. His immediate response is, yeah, I don't want to do that. So he runs away from God. He jumps onto a ship and he starts sailing in the opposite direction God calls him to. So God arranges for a storm uh, to let Jonah know that he can't hide. So God's like, hey, Jonah, I know where you are. You can't hide from me. Jonah still doesn't pray about it, right? When When they come down and they're like, Hey, we talked about this last week. They're like, hey, you need to get up. He's asleep. And he's like, you need to get up and pray to your God so maybe he'll save us. And Jonah's like, oh, yeah, uh, we'll see. And then they're like, what's going on here? And Jonah's like, you know what, guys, it's my fault. I didn't listen to God and he did all this. And they're like, oh, man, this is nuts. And so Jonah's given them advice on the long, but Jonah never prays. And then they finally throw Jonah overboard and the wind stops. And then God sends a fish to swallow Jonah. And he gets swallowed by a great fish without dying. And it's only then. And you talk about extreme circumstances, all right? Some some of you, it's like, uh, you know. rock bottom. Yeah. Yeah, you talk about rock bottom. He's at rock bottom of the ocean, um, you know, inside of a great fish. And then Jonah's like, you know what, guys? 
uh, maybe I should pray. Yeah. Maybe I should talk to God about what's going on here. So, yeah, what does it what does it sound like? Uh, you know, and and then it's this also because we're going to talk about the prayer here in a second. We'll read mm-hmm. verse two and, and through seven. But it's like, what what does it sound like when you pray? Mm-hmm. You know, when you finally come into prayer, does it sound like a last resort? Yeah. Well, God, I've tried everything else, so here I am. I hope you can do something. You know, is it kind of a defeated prayer when the Holy when, when maybe it's it's about sin in your life, you mm-hmm. know, when the Holy Spirit finally convicts you of sin and you start to maybe have a little bit of, a, of an epiphany that, hey, maybe all the crap going on in my life has something to do with the choices that I'm making. Yeah. You know, maybe this is God trying to get my attention. You know, when, when, you know, when God, when you realize that God is pursuing you and calling you back to fellowship, what's your conversation with him like? Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to see as we get into mm-hmm. to verse two. Yeah, I thought that was powerful, you know, because it, it does. It has this, um, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And then the next sentence, then Jonah prayed. And, and again, what Ben's talking about of just like, what is it going to take to get your attention? What's it going to take to shake you to the point where you cry out to God and and turn around. Um, and, you know, you just think about things in people's lives. Is it going to take that, you know, your marriage falls apart? Is it going to take that you, you know, your children walk away from God? Is it going to take, you know, that that bad report from the doctor? Um, what is it, what is it going to take, you know? And the thing, I think the point is it shouldn't. What we're saying is it shouldn't take these horrible situation rock bottoms. It mm-hmm. should It should take, it should be sooner, right? We should cry out to God immediately. Yeah. You think about, again, that conversation Jonah could have had with God immediately when, when God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. He could have had it out immediately with God. You know, get out that anger, get out that frustration, get out the God, I don't want to go. You know, I think about times in my life where I've had my, I call it my stomp my feet thing, where it's just like, I don't want to do that, God, and I stomp my feet. Um, and But it's this thing of, there's these moments where you have out with God the real right. part of yourself yeah. and you expose <clears throat> basically the sin or the the um, the disobedience or the rebellion or the no, I don't want to do it. Like you, you do that immediately. You have it out with God immediately. Instead of running, um, mm-hmm. you know, Jonah could have had it out on the boat, just like what you're saying on the storm. Yeah, he had yeah. an opportunity. And I think about the times in our life where, you know, cry out to God now. Cry out to God now, like, you know, with our kids, with our marriages, with what's going on in our life. Cry out to God now. Don't wait until it's like you're at the bottom of the bottom at the yeah. bottom. Don't do that. So you feel cry swallowed out. up by the word. Yeah. <laughs> cry yeah. out to God now. And so that that did, that stood out to me. Then Jonah prayed. So it's just that reminder, <laughs> do it now. Yeah. Don't let yourself go to the bottom of the yeah. situation. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah. Crazy how and we do this. What it took for him to get to that point. And we do this a lot. And we do it a lot. <laughs> yeah. I not to keep harping on it, but yeah. like you would be amazed at like the 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 marriage counseling, yeah. the the I, you know I don't know, it's not even marriage counseling, the counseling or the the that Ben goes through with people, and it's just usually when it's at its end of its rope. Well, why? Why do we do this? Why yeah. not? Why not get help? Why not seek God? Why not come to church? You know, uh, before these things. Yeah. It's that idea of this is why we do oil changes in our cars so that our engines don't blow up. But a lot of times when it comes to our own lives, and especially spiritually, we wait until everything's blowing up before we try to do maintenance on it. Right. And by that point, you know, people are at like, well, I can't really fix it, so I might as well just get a new one. And a a lot of times that's the way people look at situations and relationships in their Mm -hmm. lives. And so, yeah, prayer is supposed to be part of our daily maintenance in our relationship with God. So this is what Jonah's prayer looks like. And I'm going to read through the whole prayer and then we'll go back and and talk about it. So verse two, it says, um, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. 
Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. And as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Now, it's beautiful. Very poetic. Sounds so poetic Very spiritual. all the great words a lot of good words yeah. there a lot of pretty words mm-hmm. that Jonah said um, and at first glance we would automatically look at this and consider this to be a prayer of repentance mm-hmm. of just Jonah recognizing his wrong and turning back to God and he does say you know God I will look to you again and and all of those things but when I, when I started reading this prayer, and I read it several times this week, getting ready for today, uh, I look at his prayer and I realize he never mentions what he does wrong. Yeah. Like he never mentions his disobedience. He never mentions him running away from God. But when you look at what he says, he says phrases like, you know, I cried, my great trouble, I called. And then listen, he says, you threw me. I sank down. I was buried. And then this one was the big one. That was This was the kicker for me that I'm just like, I realized, okay. It caught me too. I was really like, mm. You have driven me from your presence. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Back it up, Jonah. God said, I want you to go to preach to Nineveh. And you're like, I got a ship to catch. Yeah. And you went in the complete opposite direction. You chose right. to go in the complete opposite direction. God sent a storm and you're like, you know what, guys, I'm still, yeah, I I chose to go away from God, but you still wouldn't take ownership of the disobedience. And then you, you're, you're putting that, put all the onus on the other guys to throw you over all these things. And now you're going to tell God that he drove you away from his presence, Mm -hmm. but like that it was his fault that you're somehow in this fish. And, and Jonah just gets really, and when you read through that prayer, what you realize is he's extremely focused on his circumstance, mm-hmm. but there's no ownership in what got him there. Yeah, That was what stood out to me is he's just so, it's this very poetic look at what it feels like to be in the belly of a fish, mm-hmm. all right, in this great fish. And yet there is no acknowledgement of, of what got him there. He acknowledges that God intervened. Mm-hmm. He acknowledges, um, uh, but there's no acknowledgement as to why God had to intervene. Mm-hmm. I guess that's it. Mm-hmm. His own part of it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I read that and I thought, you know, I thought of this, it'd be like, you know, it'd be like me telling one of my kids that they needed to go clean their room. I give them a command. <laughs> all right which sounds very extreme, but I command them, go clean your room. And instead of going to clean their room, they decide to go hide on the roof, right? They're just going to go hide on the roof to get away from me so they can't, so we can't find them. So they go hide on the room. And then all of a sudden a storm comes and blows them off the side of the roof and they're hanging on for dear life. And I get a ladder out and I go and I climb up on the edge of the house and I, I grab them and I bring them down and they get to the bottom on, on the ground and they're like so thankful and they, they telling the story of this harrowing experience of being on a roof and the wind coming and the storm blowing and how they were hanging on by their fingertips and then daddy came and put a ladder up and climbed up the ladder and rescued them and but never acknowledged that the whole reason they needed to be rescued yeah was because they were hiding in disobedience because they were wrong to something that they had been asked to do. Yeah. And that's what I read. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what I see when I when I read about Jonah there. Yeah. Um so there's a, the part there for I think it's verse 2. It says, "I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me." So there's mm-hmm. this statement of God, you answered me, and God, you heard me. And so it's a reminder to me, that that part of it was a reminder to me um, that it doesn't matter what circumstance we've gotten ourselves into. Yeah, We're not too far from God. We're never too far from God. Because I think sometimes, you know, have you ever been in a place in your life where you're like, well, I've just gone too far. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't. I can't pray to God. I can't go to church. I can't reach out to God. I can't cry out because I have just gone too far away from his presence. Yeah. 
Um, no, no matter how he got out of God's presence, whether he thinks it's um, God doing that or we know that Jonah ran, the point being, you can't, you can't get, oh, you can't get too far away from God. There's a, a verse in Isaiah. It's Isaiah 59, 1 and two, and um, it makes a statement. Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear your call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Mm, and so good. it's just this reminder yeah. that you're <clears throat> never too far from God. Stop thinking that it's all just too bad. It's too far. My marriage is falling apart too much. You know, my kids are too far from God. I'm too far from God. This addiction has taken over to, you know, I can't. He, he hears people all the time. I can't go back to church. I've gone. It's gone too far. Or yeah. I can't. I can't pray. I can't. And um, so it's to me. Listening to Jonah, be at the bottom of the world. <laughs> yeah. Be at the bottom of a situation where there is no hope in the natural. There's no hope. And he says, in my great trouble, you answered me. Um, in the land, from the land of the dead, from the land of the dead, you heard me. And I just think that's, you know, out of, out of Jonah's prayer, that's a true statement. Yeah. Like, that's a truth there that um, this is a man who experienced the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. So we have got to stop with our own excuses mm -hmm. that say, God, I'm too far from you. Yeah. You can't reach to me. Because God tells us his arm is not too short. What the problem is, is our sin. Yeah. So again, as we see, there, you have to acknowledge that. Yeah. But I thought that was a, a powerful statement. And then again, you brought up the part where it says, you've driven me from your presence. That's verse 4. And when I first read through this prayer, I was kind of thinking, oh, wow, like this is poetic. This is, oh, this is lovely. You know, this is, okay, Jonah, he's coming back. And, but then when you just really break apart a prayer, it's like, wow, he just said that to God. He just said, you drove me from your presence. And, you know, when you do, when you literally flip back one page, you, you, you read that Jonah got on a boat and went the opposite direction. Yeah. And it says to get away from the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's a very powerful statement. He did this to get away from the Lord. And I think sometimes that when we pray, we sometimes need to be aware of the, what comes out of our mouth yeah. and what we're saying. Because a lot of times we put blame on God. Mm -hmm. We put blame. We put blame on other people. We put blame on God. And again, the quicker, it's not that, you know, have it out with God. Have conversations. Get all your, you know, I had somebody the other day say to me, say to me, oh, God doesn't want to hear me pray angry. He wants to hear from you. You've never read Psalms then. <laughs> I mean, I've had angry prayers. I have, I've had sad yeah. prayers. I've had happy prayers like pray, talk, communicate. Yeah. We just talked to somebody the other day and it's just, hey, even if you think you're not going to say the right things, talk. Communicate. Yeah. yeah. So, because communication is so important, so it's the same with God. Communicate with God. Yeah. But at the same time, sometimes I think it's important. This sounds super poetic, this prayer, but when you break it apart, you're realizing what's coming out of his heart is he's still putting blame on God. And I think you know that, especially you know that if you know the end of the story of yeah. Jonah, where it, it it's a very confusing ending we'll get to in a couple weeks. But, yeah, I think when I... I did the same thing again it's very poetic and yet you're looking when you go back and you read it again you're looking for repentance yeah you're looking where does he make that acknowledgement and and you just don't see it mm -hmm. and and you go well what does a what does a great prayer what does a prayer of repentance sound like because mm -hmm. we want to like i've been reading jonah just like god what are we supposed to learn from this yeah. story right and so i think one of the things is to recognize what does repentance look like yeah and i think there's great because people may be listening to us and say, oh gosh, why are you nitpicking his yeah, prayer why so much? Why are you being why so you? hard on Jonah? He but. So here's, you know, Psalm. So uh, the Bible's filled with great prayers of repentance and places that you can recognize it. You know, Psalm 34 is an example of David talking about his repentance. And, and in it, you can go back and read that whole mm -hmm. Psalm. Psalm 34, 
but it's it's a hundred percent focused on God, mm-hmm. like hundred percent focused on His relationship with God, wanting to be back in relationship with God. Uh, in Nehemiah chapter one, Nehemiah hears that the walls of Jerusalem have fallen down; they've been torn down, and he prays this prayer in in Nehemiah one. He says, "I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly." by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you have gave us through your servant, Moses. He says it three times. Mm -hmm. We've sinned. I've sinned. We've all sinned. Mm -hmm. We've gone against it. Like he gets really, really specific (laughs) about acknowledging what he's done wrong. And I think it's important that when we repent to God, we express what we're repenting for. and, and yes, I understand that God knows what you've done wrong, but I think it's important that we know what we've done wrong. Right. And I think our words expose our heart, mm-hmm. you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in your heart? You need to hear. I think, you know, sometimes you need to hear it out loud. What is the sin that you're struggling with? Because yeah. sometimes we can get into situations where we know we feel like something's off. And so we're like, hey, God. Please forgive me if there's any sin in my heart. Forgive me. Like it's some unknown mystery. Like, God, I don't know what I've done wrong, but it seems like something's off here. So if I've done anything wrong, forgive me. And God's like, what? Like, okay, I'll forgive. Hey, maybe it'd be a good idea if you figured out what you're doing wrong. Like maybe maybe ask that. And so Jonah never once says, God, forgive me for running away from you. Mm God, forgive me for not obeying you. Forgive me for not showing compassion on the Ninevites. God, forgive me. There's no confession of his disobedience anywhere in this prayer. Because as of yet, and I don't want to be a spoiler, but as of yet, he still doesn't think he's wrong. Right. We're going to get to that. Yeah. And so if it's this idea for us, if we can't confess it, then it leaves room to wonder, do we really see it as a sin? Yeah. And I've, I've even started asking, you know, when I, when I talk to people and they're struggling in certain areas, I'll be like, let me ask you a question. And not from a head knowledge point of view, but from a deep spiritual heart place. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is wrong? Mm-hmm. Like, do you think this goes against God? Mm-hmm. And because sometimes, and, and I've, I've been, honestly, I've been shocked sometimes where we're, we're talking about different things. I talked to a guy one time that was struggling with pornography mm-hmm. and I said, you know, on a heart, I know that you don't want people to know that you struggle in this, but from a deep personal level, do you think this is wrong? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you know, and he couldn't say yes. He mm-hmm. couldn't say no. Like he just, it was this, he was caught in between mm-hmm. because so many of his, so many people that he knew right. were involved in it and joked about it and talked about when it and, things become and all those things. Norm. And it's just a cultural norm. So he's like, who is it really hurting? And, you know, he had some of those things. And until we can get it in our heart, that this, how can you repent for mm-hmm. something yeah. that you don't think is wrong? Right. And so how can you ask God to, to free you from something if you don't think it's wrong? Right. How can God forgive you of something? If you don't think it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important that we say these things out loud, that we're specific about what we're praying about. And so, because it leaves this question, is Jonah upset over his disobedience or his, is he upset over the consequences mm-hmm. of his disobedience? Yeah. Sometimes it's not that we're upset of what we did or didn't do. We're just upset of where it got us. I, I mean, I'm taking a guess here, but I would feel like it's it's because of his consequences because when we get to the later chapters, he still disagrees with God. Yeah. So, yeah, you kind of think it's it's the consequences of it that's upsetting. Yeah, because the, the, the way we answer that question often determines whether or not we're going to continue in that sin. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like going out and just binge drinking for a weekend, uh, going out, just living crazy for a weekend, getting arrested, getting out of jail, and then going, YOLO, you only live once, you know? I got, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh man, that was, you made some bad choices this weekend. Well, you know, you know, what are you going to do? No regrets. Yeah. You know, so these people that live their life with no regrets, yeah. um, uh, I don't know that that's necessarily a great thing right. in, in some cases. And so it's this idea, again, if you can't express where you've disobeyed God, if yeah. you can't get that out in words, then it will 
really will open up this door to continue in the same path. If we can't call sin a mistake, we can't dismiss it without... So, yeah, if we can't call sin what it is, Mm -hmm. if we can't call sin, sin, then uh, we'll never be able to acknowledge that we're disobeying Mm -hmm. God. And we don't want... Yeah. And the beautiful part about prayer... And all, I mean, all prayer is, is communicating with God, right? The beautiful part about prayer is it really does expose where our heart is. Yeah. You know, again, it goes back to, you know, praying angry, praying sad, praying happy. Like these emotions inside of us will always come out in a gen, in these prayers. Mm -hmm. And so as beautiful as this prayer sounds you still, this is what, and this is why we're picking it apart. You're still picking up on the hint of his heart hasn't changed yet. Yeah. And I think, I think, and I'll, I'll, we'll move on after this, but I think the way I summarize this prayer is Jonah, like a lot of us, is very thankful for God's intervention. Yeah. He's very thankful that God rescued him. Yes. And a lot of times we pray prayers and we just spend a lot of time thanking God for what he's done in our lives and asking him to do more things in our lives, doing Mm -hmm. other things in our lives. But, and so it shows that he's sorry for where he ended up, Mm -hmm. but there's no acknowledgement in him of the responsibility that he carries in getting there. Mm-hmm. And so he's very thankful that God intervened, mm-hmm. but there's no ownership in what got him there. Yeah. That needed, why he needed to be, there's no ownership in the reason he needed to be rescued. And I think that's a good expression because as we continue to read, you do, you see the the great emotion of where he's at, what he what he went through, yeah. but you also, the thankfulness of God, you just saved my life. Yeah. You just saved my life. <laughs> So he, uh, the last part of the prayer in verse eight is kind of weird. Um, he goes, so he goes. Did you skip five? I thought you stopped at five. No, I think I went all the way down, didn't okay. I? I sank down to the. I don't know. I'll read it again just in case. <laughs> I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed. No, I read all that. Okay. Seaweed wrapped itself around its head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever, but you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. And then verse 8, those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. And it's just like, who's he talking about? I I read that, and I'm just like, is, is Jonah in the belly of a great whale, of a fish, whatever, uh, because God put him there because he disobeyed, and now he's calling people out. <laughs> like, is he serious right now? Like, is he throwing other groups of people under the bus? I don't know if he's like deflecting his guilt onto other people or what the deal is, because there's not a confession of anything specific that yeah. he's done wrong. Right. It's just like he's calling out other people. It's weird. I don't know. Anyway. Verse 9, he says, but I will offer sacrifices. So it's almost this contrast. You know, Mm -hmm. verse 8 is he calls out some people and he's like, but I'm going to offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. And I will fulfill my vows for salvation comes from the Lord God, from the Lord alone. Mm -hmm. Again, with verse 9, and and I do, I see it as a bit of a contrast between those two. It's like, I'm going to call out, you know, those who worship false gods. I don't worship a false god. You know, that maybe it's a shot at the, the Ninevites because they worship false gods. That's right? about who he was about so, to go preach to. Right? So uh, those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, but I'm going to offer sacrifice. He still hasn't repented, but he's going to go offer sacrifices. And sometimes this is what we do is we try to appease God yes. without repenting. We're yes. going to continue on, but in order to make God happy, we're going to throw a few ch- trips to church and a couple bucks in the offering and, you know, whatever. Yeah. So kind of empty, empty sacrifices right. is what that is. All right. And then verse 10, it finishes up and it says, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. That, that verse nine. So, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord. It made me feel like, like I was telling Ben about, you know how somebody goes through you know, that near death experience, maybe, you know, maybe they had a heart attack and they end up in the hospital and, and, you know, almost die. And then God, you know, people are praying for them and you have this, you know, healing in their body or, 
you know, maybe you almost got in a car accident or you got in a car accident, but God saved your life. Like these near death experiences where you've seen God's deliverance. I feel like a lot of times what you see with people with Christians is this, oh my goodness, they get in this heightened state of God, I'll just, I'll do, I'll, I'll give my life to you. I'll do everything you tell me to do. I'm going to go I'm going to go back to church. I'm going to go back to doing all the right things that I know I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And they recommit their vows to God, which is a great thing. It's a great thing. But sometimes when it, 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 it is produced out of that excitement moment of God, you just saved my life. Whoa, just what happened? You know, what just happened? Yeah. Um, sometimes you have to ask the question, okay, that's wonderful. The, you know, the recommitment, the vows, God, I'm going to sacrifice to you. I'm going to worship. I'm going to do all these things. But we have to ask ourselves, is it coming from a genuine place of repentance? Is it coming from mm -hmm. a genuine, has my heart really changed? <clears throat> because in the excitement of the moment, you can have, people basically tell God they'll do anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it in that in that is is it really a heart change? Yeah. And and the reason I bring that up is because in the next chapter we see that there's still things in Jonah's heart that yeah. are not right with God. Yeah. So I think it re I read that and it really reminded me I even think about <laughs> I think about people who are just like, you know, they have health problems, they have a heart attack and you know, near death experience. And then it's just like, when I get home, I'm eating clean, yeah. you know, no more red meat for me. And we make these vows of how good we're going to be yeah. because in that moment, yes, like we're in a state of thankfulness. When you come out of a tr horrific experience, you're in a state of thankfulness, but how much has your heart actually changed to follow through with right. these things? Everything he's saying is wonderful, but how much is Jonah about to follow through yeah. with these things? So I think I noticed that. Yeah, no, it's good. And, and um, yeah, so you, you come to the end of this yeah. and it just simply said, then the Lord ordered the fish. So again, God's in control of it all. Yes. He orders the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. And you just look at that and you recognize again, here God restores Jonah. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he gives him a second chance. I don't know if you want to call it a second chance, third chance, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so I think to sum up chapter two is just this is asking, as kind of asking the question, what's it going to take for you to obey God? What's it going to take for you? What, what condition? And then what condition are you going to be in when you get there? <laughs> All right. So Jonah gets restored. He gets, he gets his second chance. And he's a little worse for wear, probably smelling like the inside of a fish. The outside smells bad enough. Can't imagine the inside. And you got a cool story. Hey, I was on a boat one time. Storm came. They threw me what overboard. I got a big fish. But is it really a story that you want to tell? It, it, it's that old thing of, you know, uh, Joe and I were both born and raised in the church, been Christians since we were kids. We don't have the testimonies of, you know, being addicted to meth and killing a guy and, you know, with our bare hands and spending 17 years in prison and, you know, all this stuff. I don't have that testimony. I served God since I was a kid, right? Um, and sometimes people are like, man, I don't have the cool testimony to go out and share my faith. Jonah had the cool testimony, but when you realize what you have to go through to get that, yeah. what do you really want? Yeah. You know, do you really want the cool story or do you want to be like, you know what? I've served God my whole life yeah. and he's been faithful. Or do you want to learn sooner? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just, it's an important question to ask. And so we see in, in this chapter, God continues to show his love, faithfulness, yeah. his forgiveness. He's like, Jonah, I still want to use you. Are you ready to listen to me yet? And so I'll just encourage you as we finish up today of just... Uh, I'd encourage you to spend some time in prayer this week and just really to ask God, God, am I listening to you? Yeah. Am I, you know, are there areas of my life where I'm, uh, I haven't repented? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not acknowledging that there's sin that's there. I'm thankful for your forgiveness, mm -hmm. but I've been so vague that it's almost like, God, if I don't say it out loud, then I'll just keep doing it. It's not a confession that I shouldn't be doing this. I'm just going to ask for forgiveness. And so I just really ask God, am I listening? Is, is there asking for wisdom? Are there blind spots in my life where sin is holding me back, where sin is stopping me from being who you want me to be and doing what you want me to do, going where you want me to go, of, of holding you back from being able to fully bless every area of my life. Mm -hmm. And so, and just asking, are there things that I'm acknowledging 
mm-hmm. but I'm not repenting of. Right. And and it's time to, you know, again, it goes back, I didn't say it in the beginning, but it goes back to that idea. Repentance means to change your mind. Mm-hmm. It's a changing of your mind. That's what it means to truly repent. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say I look at Jonah's prayer and I see something missing mm-hmm. because he acknowledged that he was in a bad circumstance. He acknowledged that he needed to be rescued by God. Yeah. He acknowledged God's forgiveness. He acknowledged all these things, but he didn't change the way that he was thinking. Right. And that's what we'll see in chapters three right. and four. Right. And, and two, I just, one other thing to kind of, stood out to me and hit home I think the most for me through this chapter is just this fact of um, you know recognizing and knowing that it's our sin that drives us away from the presence of God and so in our own lives if we're feeling like we're in moments where just like God I don't feel your presence anymore God I don't I don't feel you like I did before I don't feel like I had that same you know love for you I don't I don't feel and just the acknowledgement and understanding that God pursues us. He de- He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. There's never going to be a time where God says, "Okay, I got. I'm getting bored of you. I'm I'm getting away from you. I'm going to get you out of my presence." Like that's not the heart of God. So understanding if we're feeling like we don't have the presence of God in our life, like we once did, um, just to say, "Okay, God, search my heart. Mm-hmm. Search my heart." And remove anything that's not supposed to be there because it's the sin that separates us from God's presence. Yeah. God good. does not separate himself from us. God does not drive us away. He does not drive us from his presence. Yeah. yeah. Sin separates us from God. Yeah. And so that's why we have to acknowledge that and recognize that we need to repent. That's it. That's good. Do it. <laughs> freedom in freedom is in repentance. Yes. There is freedom in repentance. And so, yeah, spend some time in prayer this week, guys. Ask God to help you take an honest look at where you are. Are you praying empty prayers Mm -hmm. uh, or are you praying true prayers of repentance that will lead you into a much deeper connection Mm -hmm. uh, with God? Mm -hmm. So, All right, guys, (laughs) you know the drill. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, Be sure to follow, subscribe, uh, comment, like, wherever you can do those things. Share this around with anybody that you know might be blessed by it. Read Jonah chapter 3. Read Jonah 3, 4 if you want to get way ahead of us. And we'll be back next week with lunch. It's always weird when I say it that way. Let's try that again. We'll be back next week. And you can join us for lunch with PB&J. Bye, guys.